glad in it, for he has done great things unto us. Amen. And we just give him the praise. We give him the glory and the honor because without him, we would not be here. Amen. But in him, as the Bible says in Colossians, by him, all things consist. In other words, all things exist through him. Amen. Through our God who is in control and he does all things well. Amen. We thank God for his many blessings. We thank God for his strength. Amen. We're so sorry that we're missing so many people today. Amen. A lot of our people are away. Amen. They just happen to be all be away on this weekend. Amen. But we're here in the name of the Lord. Amen. I know we have the Pajitas family who's away. Amen. Our bass player, Brother Nate, he's away. Amen. Our sister Chastity and Brother John had something to do today. Amen. But we're here in Jesus' name to give God praise in this place. And we thank God for his mercy and for his many benefits. And we just like to praise God for all the godly mothers in this house. Come on, men and children. Give God praise for godly mothers. Come on, give God praise for godly mothers in the house. Amen, amen. Amen, amen. We thank God for all that he's doing. Amen. I thank God for the mother of my children. Amen. Pastor Gloria Ingram. Amen. We thank God for her. Praise God for her. Amen. Amen. Raising my three children. Amen. And amen. Just being a good mother. Amen. Taking care of the things that a mother should do. Amen. Being there for her children. Even when her children having children. Amen. She's there for her children. And we thank God for that. Amen. We thank God for our evangelist Hargett. Amen. Who most of you call Mother Rose. Amen. We thank God for her. Amen. Always in that place of a mother. I got news for you. She was my mother before she knew y'all. Amen. Amen. She always had that role of being that second mother there for me, correcting me. Amen. Correcting me and letting me know when I was going wrong and teaching me and helping me. Amen. And again, I thank God for my mother. Amen. I'm Martha Ingram, who's not here today. Amen. But we went to see her yesterday, and we thank God that she's doing well. Amen. And we thank God that God is keeping her. Amen. Give God thanks for your mother. Amen. Even if she's not here, amen, give God thanks for her. Amen. Because a mother is a very precious role. Amen. The role of a mother, listen, is the shadow of God. I'm going to say that again. The role of a mother is the shadow of God because no one will love their children like a mother and no one loves his children like God. God loves his children. Amen. And there's so much when we look at the relationship between a mother and her children that we can see the relationship that God wants with us, that, that trust that loving us. See, my grandson, he'll run everywhere because he knows his mother is going to catch him. He knows his mother is going to be there for him because he trusts her. 
he believes that she's there for him. We thank God that we have a heavenly father. Oh, wow. We thank God that we have a heavenly father who's always there for us. Amen, amen, amen. You need to be excited about your heavenly father who's always there for us. Amen. Even when we do wrong, even when we're not blessing his name, he's always there for us. And he promised through his son, Jesus Christ, I will never leave you nor forsake you. See, that's parentage right there. That's parenthood right there. And we thank God for this role. Saints, open up your Bibles with me to 1 Samuel 17. Thank God for the word. Amen. And open up your Bibles also to John, the first chapter. Amen. Again, 1 Samuel 17 and John, St. John, the first chapter. Amen. There is a word from the Lord. Amen. To instruct us, to help us, to strengthen us in these last and evil days. God has sent his word. Amen. To help us in these last days, these evil times that we are living in today. God wants to help his people. God wants to give us encouragement and instruction. Amen. And I thank God that he's always doing it. Amen. Turn around, tell your neighbor, there's always a plan. Amen. God is in control. There's always a plan in the kingdom of our God. Amen. Our title is still, I Must Believe God. Amen. We will not be leaving from that. We will be there for a little bit. I must believe God. Amen. No matter what I see going on in the world, no matter what I hear, the wars and the rumors of wars, amen, the trouble in the Middle East, terrorists all around the world, I must believe God. I have to. When it doesn't look the way I want it to, I must believe God. When things are not what I think they should be, I must believe God. I got to believe God even when my mind is saying something different to me. Saints, a lot of times your mind will say something else other than what the word of God said. But we've got to still believe God within our spirit as to what he said in his word. I must believe God. Our thought for today, God's great grace Again, God's great grace. How many know that his grace is great? Amen. How many understand and know that God's grace is great? Amen. <clears throat> There's nothing like it anywhere else in the world. God's grace is great. You can't find it anywhere. There's no match for it. God's grace is great. No matter where you go to look for it, you will never find anything that will even come close to God's grace. This grace that saved you when you were hell bound and in darkness, that's God's grace. 
God's grace that delivered you from a sinful world, from being a sinner into being a saint. That's the grace of God. Grace that we received by faith. For Paul said in the epistle of the Ephesians, he said, you are saved by grace through faith. You can't be saved any other way but through faith and you are saved by grace. You've got to believe God. Say it with me. I must believe God. Come on, say it again. I must believe God. You had to believe God in order to receive this salvation that God made available for you and I through Jesus Christ. I must believe God because by believing God and receiving Jesus Christ in my life, God has given me his great grace. I call this the three G's. God's great grace. There's saints, there's nothing like it in the world. And grace, listen, is the favor of God upon all those that accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Say it with me, I am the favor of God. Say it with me, I'm blessed with favor. Oh, come on, don't talk, don't say it like you don't mean it. Say it like you mean it. I'm blessed with favor. I was telling Tabernacle of Purpose this morning, I said, you know, a lot of times we like to look at our material things and our finances that increases as blessings. Really, I want to tell you that your material things and whatever you receive financially is really the result of the blessings of grace. Grace gives you the favor of God that, listen, that gives you health. Grace is the favor of God that gives you strength. Grace, grace is the favor of God that allows you to go on when it feels like you're about to fall. Grace gives you the power to stand. The Bible tells us that grace, listen, is a gift. It is the gift of God. You can't receive grace from anybody else. Oh, sure, people can show you favor in this life. But God's favor only comes through God and no one else. And his grace is like no other. No other. And you know what? Because God's grace is a gift, once he gives it, listen, God is not an Indian giver. His grace stays with you. His grace goes with you. Wherever you go, his grace is there. You can take a plane ride from here to Africa. Guess what? God's grace goes with you there. You can go from here to Antarctica. Guess what? God's grace goes with you there. God's grace never leaves you. God has given you his grace for eternity. You are taking his grace from here to eternity because it's the favor of God. See, that's what the Bible meant when it said, because we don't usually read the whole verse, but the Bible said, listen, said, when it said, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes when? But God said, before he said that, he said, his wrath endureth but for a moment. Listen, in his favor is life. 
Then he said, weeping may endure for a night. But joy cometh in the morning because in the favor of God is life. God has favored us with life. God intended for us to live. And guess what? Grace is his way for us to see eternal life. He did it, listen, through grace. That's his favor to people who didn't deserve it. See, you didn't deserve to be saved. God saved you because he brought his grace into the world. And his grace has saved your black soul. See, y'all think I'm speaking black for African Americans. No, I'm speaking of black because your soul was filthy. Your soul was dirty by sin. And God, by his grace, has taken a dirty soul and cleaned it by the blood of Jesus so that now you are washed and pure by the purified by the blood of Jesus. You are sanctified by the blood of Jesus. You are made the righteousness of God by the blood of Jesus. You are given the grace of God wherein you stand by the blood. Don't you know we stand in this grace? This grace is our foundation. We can't be moved. That's why. Why do you think because you made a mistake, God done dropped you, God done forgot about you? Amen. Most of y'all know my daughter Latoya, right? Uh, imagine me, because my daughter wouldn't walk, I passed by a garbage can and dropped her in it. But you know what? Some of us forget that God's grace is the same for us. God don't just disregard us because we made a mistake or we don't do what he has called us to do. He wants us to. Should we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. But just because you do something wrong, this grace is so powerful. This one says, it says, I'm not going to disregard you or throw you away or discard you because you made a mistake. You are still under my favor, thus says the Lord. That's why we sing the song, Amazing Grace. It's amazing. Because it's good to me when I'm not good to me. It's God's grace is good to me when I'm bad and evil to me. God's grace keeps me, protects me, provides for me, delivers me, strengthens me, saves me. That's grace. Somebody say, that's grace. That's grace. Oh, say it again. That's grace. that's grace. Reading from John 1. Amen. John 1, beginning at the first verse, I want you to see the grace of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same in the beginning was with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Listen, in him, in his grace, was life. And that life was the light of men. Listen, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Going down to the 14th verse, 
And the word was made flesh and dwell among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. Listen, full of grace and truth. That's Jesus, full of grace and truth. Listen, John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me. Listen, for he was before me. Listen, pay very close attention. And of his fullness have all we received grace for grace. Listen again. Of his fullness have all we received grace for grace. Oh, my God. We're going to get into that. That's good. Grace for grace. And listen, listen. For the law was given by Moses. But grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Keep that. The law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. He brought in grace and truth. Why? Because the law could not save anybody. Jesus came so that he can bring in grace. Right now, saints, where we are living right now, if I said, where are we living right now? Some of y'all would say, in Jersey? What's wrong with him? Don't he know we in Jersey and in Jersey City? Actually, we are in the church age. We are in the age of grace. The age of the grace of God. The grace of God that saves souls. This is the church age, but it's also known as the, the age of grace. Because those who are saved by grace in this age will spend eternity with God. We are in the church age. You say, well, where did the church age begin? Where did it end? The church age began at Pentecost. Because the church was birthed at Pentecost. Pentecost, listen, and then the church age will end, listen. I mean, the age of grace will end at the rapture. Amen? But grace will continue on. But for the church... The age of grace will end at the rapture. It began at Pentecost and it will end at the rapture, the age of grace. Now, let's go back into the Old Testament a little bit. Turn with me to John. I mean, excuse me, 1 Samuel 17. I know y'all, most of y'all have it. But in 1 Samuel 17, there's a very familiar story here. And those of you, those of you who read your Bible... Amen. Those of you who don't, when you, those of you who don't, when you get home, get your Bible and dust it off. Find it. You left it under the bed where you don't look sick, see it. Up. Anyway, if you haven't read the story in a while, you need to go back and read the story of David. David, listen, David and Goliath. 
Because listen, your topic, God's grace defeats giants. I'm going to say it again. God's grace defeats giants. No giant can be destroyed except it's destroyed by God's grace. Because by his grace alone do we defeat giants. See, a giant back in the Bible days, was a great big large person. As in the story of David, when it comes to the giant Goliath. See, the Philistines were a people who were always a thorn in the flesh to Israel. They were always in battle with Israel and fighting for land and territory. And their hope was to take over what belonged to Israel. What I need us to understand is that there is a bigger picture when we read the word rather than just reading the story and looking at it for what the story says. God is always trying to give a message to his people when you look into the word of God and you're reading. Even in those stories or in those books where things look very difficult and you're trying to wonder, well, what did God put this here for? Or what is the message I get from this? Let me tell you something. Even in the scriptures that only give the genealogy, I want to let you know something, that there is a message in the genealogy for each and every one of us here today. What does the genealogy tell us? It tells us that God does not forget his people. There's a message in everything God puts in his word. Because everybody is precious to him. And the genealogy tells us this. It simply tells us this. God remembers. And God does not forget. And that since God didn't forget in the Old Testament, God doesn't forget in the New Testament. And that's why we say that God is omniscient because he knows all things. That's why we say that God is omnipresent because God is everywhere. So he had, listen, God has not given up on you. God has not given up on you. God has not discarded or disgraced you. He wants to bless you and do you good in this world. That's why he saved us by his grace. And he has given us grace to defeat giants. I need us to understand something that a, that a giant was people who always came against the people of God. Because that's what the Philistines did. They came against the people of God. But there's a bigger picture, as I was trying to tell you here, that we all have to see. And the bigger picture is this. Somebody was behind the agenda of the Philistines. Who was guiding the Philistines? See, we tend to look at it and we tend to say, oh, well, yeah, well, you know, 
that's just Sister Martha acting up. <laughs> Amen? We tend to say, that's just Sister Martha trying to do what she wanted to do or trying to push people around. But wait a minute. It could be what happened to Sister Martha this morning that caused her to act the way she did. Hear me, saints. Hear. Hear the word of the Lord. It could be what you did to her last Sunday that her memory carried with her that caused her to do what she did. I may walk by you because I may still be upset with you for what you said about me. See, behind everything, whether good or whether evil, there's a spirit. There's a spirit guiding that person or that thing. Well, you may say, well, pastor, I know Sister Martha is feeling bad, but she's saved and got the Holy Ghost. Why is she acting that way? Because it's not that an evil spirit has entered her, but it's the spirit of her attitude that's wrong. It's her spirit of, that's come up that is in unrest. That's wrong. There's a spirit that guides everything. And see, the reason why a lot of times we don't see the spirit is because we have to understand, spirit, a spirit is invisible. And unless you have discernment of spirit... Unless you take the time to discern what is happening, you won't understand that there's a spirit here right now. It's not my sister, it's not my brother, but it's a spirit who's acting out. So let me not get mad at Sister Martha, and I know she's going to beat me up later, but I'm going to use her because I'm safe with her. Let me not get mad at Sister Martha. Maybe she's just having a bad day. It's a spirit that takes control at times that causes us to do the things that we do. And not necessarily an evil spirit, but what the things that are going on with us has caused our spirit to be disturbed and caused us to act out of character or act in a manner that's not us. See, it's not an evil spirit that pushes us, pushes a man to pornography. It's the lust within a man that pushes him into that. And because he has not got control of that spirit, that spirit is leading him. It's his spirit of lust. Listen, not an evil spirit in him. Don't go walk around telling him, you just got a demon. I used to be in a church with an old mother, and every time somebody acted up and she didn't like him, she just looked at him, demon. But it's not a a demon in the person. (laughs) Amen. Especially when they're saved. If a person tells you they're saved, first of all, don't try to sit there and say, hmm, is he really saved? 
Because first of all, you don't know who's in the hands of God. Only God knows who's in his hand. So if you tell me you're saved, I'm going to believe you. But the Bible also tells me by your fruit, I will know you. If I don't see no fruit, then ha ha, I say, well, God, you're going to have to handle that. I leave this with God. But listen, the fruit is spirit. Love. Spirit. How do we know love is a spirit? For God is love. Listen, and God said in the fourth chapter of St. John, for God is spirit. Love is a spirit. Listen, joy is a spirit. Listen, peace is a spirit. Kindness is a spirit. All of these things that we don't see, but yet they are invisible, but still they are very powerful because what's in the spirit is more powerful than what's in the natural. Because you can win more people with love than you can with hate. What's in the spirit is powerful. Don't you ever count out the spirit. Because what spirit is in action depends upon whether or not you'll be successful or whether or not you will accomplish and complete the mission or the purpose you're doing in your life. What spirit is doing this? So listen, and and somebody said, well, where's the scripture I can find to back that up? All you got to do is go to 1 John 3. See, Proverbs told us this. Proverbs says that there is a way that seemeth right to a man. See, you need to do like Haggai told the people, the prophet Haggai told the people. He said, consider your ways. For your ways are spirit. What spirit is using you now? What spirit is guiding you now? See, those voices in your head, they are spirit. Who are you listening to? The movie said, look who's talking. We need to look and say, now, is this of God or is this of the devil? Because let me say something. You know what's of God. John said, Ye are of God, little children, and you have no need that any man teach you. What was John talking about? I don't need to go to church anymore? No, that's not what John was saying. John was saying because the Spirit of God is inside of you, the Spirit of God will teach you if what's happening in you is of God or not. You will know if that voice is the Spirit of the Lord or if that voice is the Spirit of the devil or if that voice is your spirit just acting up. Because a lot of things we blame on the devil. and (laughs) Not speaking in his defense, I'm not his lawyer, but the devil don't do everything. There are some things that's just you. That's it. It's your attitude that caused you to do it. It's the way you've been thinking that caused you to do it. There's nowhere in the world I can be with pastor and treat her in love if everything I'm saying in my mind about her is wrong. Married folks, listen to me. Folks in in relationship, listen to this word. 
You cannot act opposite of what is going on in your mind. Because the spirit that's leading you in your mind is going to cause you to act according to what you've been thinking about. Because my Bible says, though so a man thinketh, so is he. This is why, this is why John said, listen, in his first epistle, the third chapter, in the first verse, he said, beloved, believe not every spirit. How many heard that? Now that's the word. I didn't make that up. John said, believe not every spirit. But he said, but try the spirits and see whether they be of God or not. You, gotta, you have to test that spirit. And how do you, you say, well, well, Bishop, how do we test the spirit? Is that spirit in line with God's word? If that spirit is not in line with God's word, then automatically that spirit has to be rebuked. That spirit has to be told that you are in control of him. That spirit has to be told that you have authority over him. And that the grace of God is in you to defeat giants. Because spirits can also be giants. David in this story over here, in the 17th chapter of Samuel, David's life comes into a situation where Israel is at war with the Philistines. Now, the Philistines were a sea people who had a long history of invading other people's land. See, in other words, the Philistines had no land of their own. They were people who sought to take land from other people. And they're living on the other side of the land named Judah. And because they're living on the other side of Judah, what they hope to do, pay attention, don't let it go over your head, what the Philistines hoped to do was to start taking over different territories of Israel. Take, listen, listen, listen. Taking over the land of God's people. Because the devil is always looking to take the land or the things that belong to God's people. He wants to take your peace. He wants to take your joy, which is why we've been talking about joy. Listen, if it was up to him, he would snatch your anointing. But thank God he can't take my joy. Thank God I still have my peace. And he cannot take my anointing because it's not from him. My anointing gives me power to fight him. Because God has given me his grace to defeat giants. Because he wants to steal what belongs to me. And that's exactly what the Philistines were doing in the Old Testament. They wanted to steal what wasn't theirs from God's people. 
And Israel had to stand up and fight. Israel had to stand up and defend what's theirs. See, you have got to protect your anointing. You have got to protect the peace God has given you. Because if you don't, the enemy will come in and invade your peace and invade your joy and make you think you don't have it. Somebody better hear this. The Holy Ghost is speaking to somebody today. The enemy wants to invade your land and take what God said is yours. And this is what the Philistines looked to do to Israel. And one day they took the opportunity to set themselves in battle against Israel. See, I'm going to tell y'all, some of y'all, y'all don't have no Philistines. Some of y'all got fear who has set himself against you. Some of y'all have worrying who has set himself against you. Some of y'all have, listen, discouragement that has set himself against you. Just like the Philistines set the battle against the armies of Israel. Now, Israel is under the favor of God. But see here, favor is not active unless you know how powerful it is. Oh, God, open the ears. Favor is not active unless you understand how great favor is. Oh, favor will be active for your salvation wherein you're saved, yes. But favor will not increase to manifest itself around you and I unless you and I understand how great God's grace is. See, Paul said, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Paul said, God forbid. In other words, what does Paul, what is Paul saying? Paul was saying that sin makes grace remain inactive in our life. You can't see God's best if you're acting your worst in him. See, grace increases as we begin to follow God's word. As we begin to be obedient to God, grace increases. This is why Paul said, don't continue in sin. It was a rhetorical question. You can't continue in sin and expect grace to increase. You come out of sin and then grace will manifest itself in your life even more. See, you can't go out Saturday night, get drunk, party all Saturday night, and then come in here Sunday morning saying, Lord, I'm looking for a blessing from you. Your life, your life should mirror what you're looking for from God. See, here's the sad thing. Although Israel was setting the battle up against the Philistines, there was no one in Israel at the time who understood 
the greatness of God's grace. Because while they're setting up the battle, this great big giant, nine feet tall, with this great big shield, with body armor that weighed 125 pounds, with a great big old helmet sitting on his head, nine feet tall, who looked very intimidating. And when he showed himself to Israel, Israel looked at him and fear came upon them. And listen, the fear made them forget the favor. The fear made them forget the favor, the three F's. See, because if I'm walking in fear, fear will not allow me to see that God is with me. Fear will not allow me to see that my God is greater than what I'm going through. Fear will not allow me to see that my tests, my trials, and my tribulation are just for a moment that my grace that is received from God is with me. But if I'm looking more at what I'm afraid of than what God has done for me, then what I'm afraid of becomes a law against me and now it can keep me down because it has become my God. This is why we find ourselves in a room depressed with the door closed, the lights off, crying our head off, crying our eyes out, wondering why no one knows I'm in here. First of all, no one lives with you. Bishop don't live with you. Got folks leaving the church because Bishop ain't called you. You ought to be living in victory for yourself. You ought to know that the grace of God defeats giants. You ought to know this great big God that you serve has power over the enemy because he created your enemy. But if you're going to sit back and think more about what you're going through, more than what God's grace has done for you, then what do you expect? You'll stay there, just like Israel did. Forty days, forty days they were there. Forty days Goliath came out and said, give me someone to fight. And let him fight with me, and I'll fight with him. And whoever wins... They become the servants of the winner. You see that? You see that? The giants of your life want to make you a servant to the will of the enemy. Oh, saints, we're going to walk in victory after we leave here today. Saints of God, I'm telling you, we are going out of here. We are going out of here in victory. We are going out of here conquerors. That's why the Bible told us that we are more than conquerors. Because the devil wants to make us servants to what is our giant. 
Don't let him make you a slave to your giant. Don't make him make you afraid of your giant. See, Saul was afraid of his giant. Jonathan was afraid of this giant. Nobody in Israel would come forth because they all stood back in fear. And nobody confronted Goliath. He had a big mouth. And he boasted 40 days. And no one stood up. Even Saul, who they said when, they, when Samuel anointed him, he stood above Israel. Saul was, excuse the phrase, standing back the punk. Scared while Goliath was coming out and cursing his God, cursing Israel. And nobody came forward. <laughs> and they had the nerve to be yelling for the battle. But when Goliath came out, they all got quiet. Mm. What does your giant make you do? What does the giant of your life make you do? Does he keep you in the past? Does he make you remember the things that you should not be remembering anymore because God has delivered you from them things and because he saved you, you are no longer that person for if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away and behold, all things have become new. You are no longer that person. That giant is dead, but the devil's trying to make you think that he's still alive. He's got the battle set up against you. And if you're not ready for spiritual warfare, he will take you down. You got to come out and confront your giant. You cannot run from your giant. You cannot cower from your giant. You have got to confront him. Or else he will bully you for the rest of your life. He will take control of everything in your life. He'll get in your marriage. He'll get in your relationships. He'll get in everything he can and keep you from prospering. You have got to confront this giant. He's got a big mouth. He's boasting. Yes, he looks strong. But greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Do I not know how powerful this grace is? Do I not understand that my God has never lost a battle? Do I not know that though he's invisible, he controls the universe? Do I not understand that he's watching over me every day? Do I not realize that no weapon formed against me shall prosper? Do I not understand that my God is great and greatly to be praised? What am I doing? What am I doing? What am I doing? We all talk very strong. As long as things is going well, yeah, I'm going to give God praise. I'm going to give God praise. And then the ex-girlfriend comes in.
because the devil knows just what to do when you think you're so strong. That's why, Paul, that's why Paul said that God said to him, my grace is sufficient for thee. And my strength is made perfect in your weakness because no matter how weak we are, grace is always greater than what we're going through. God's grace will bring us through. God's grace will bring us out. My grace is sufficient. You don't need anything else. All you need is grace. When you go on that job interview, go with grace. When you go to pay your rent, go with grace. When you go to work, go with grace. Because God gave you grace. You can defeat anything. When the credit collectors tell them, say, I thank God, don't worry about it. God's going to take care of this. Now, I'm not, you don't say that to them. Say that to yourself. God's got this. God's going to take care of this. God's going to help me. Even though I got my foolish self in this, God's going to get me out of this. God, thank you for your grace. Because that's what grace was. That's what grace is. Grace is for fools. He said, what he talking about? He insulted me. Yeah, grace is for fools. Grace saved fools. Y'all insulted now. It's all right. Y'all get over it. Get over it. Get, get rid of your spiritual indignation. You were a fool before you came to know God. Oh, but now you know fool. You wise. And because you are wise, know that God's grace is great. Listen, and nothing can defeat it. Goliath came out for 40 days talking to Israel, scaring them, intimidating them because he was a giant and they were afraid of him. See, what the enemy doesn't tell us is that what he does is made worse by how we react. I'm going to say it again. What Satan does is make worse by how we react. How you think of it. See, you make it worse. Because, see, he always come tempting. See, for, for, listen, what, listen what Paul said. Paul said this to the Corinthians in the 10th chapter. There is no temptation but such that is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able to bear. But will, with the temptation, also make a way of escape, that ye may be able to what? Bear it. Temptation comes even to Christians. I'm sorry if somebody promised you a flower bed of ease. If somebody promised you that you are now in utopia, they lied. You still, you spiritually, you're still in the ghetto. Spiritually, you're still in the projects. But it's all right because your mansion is not far. It's all right because your eternity is not far from now. You're going to get everything that God says and soon you will have a mansion. So see, Grace says, look to your mansion. Forget about this apartment. Oh, praise ye the Lord. 
Grace said, forget about this apartment because you're not going to be here much longer because Grace has a mansion waiting for you. You don't like, you don't like where you live. It's okay. You don't like your job. That's all right. It's all right. Don't worry about it. But work and work with a smile. And treat everybody right because favor is upon you. Love everybody because God's favor is with you. Help people because God's favor is with you. And when you help someone, God's going to make sure that when you need help, he's going to send help your way. He's going to send somebody. He said, I will bless you. I will give it to you. Press down. Shaking together. Running over. Shall men give into your bosom. God will get it to you. The giant was intimidating. And now he was becoming very bold. That's the way our giants are. They become very bold. They'll speak to you at any time in your head. Talking to you all the time. She don't like you. And you stand there. You think so? Talking to yourself now. You think so? No, she don't like you. You, you talking to yourself. You, you know you may be right. Because that's the way. Giants want you to think that they have control of the situation. Giants want you to think that you are powerless. But while Goliath was talking on the 40th day, God sent a champion. I come to tell you there's a champion inside of you right now. The person of the Holy Spirit, he is God's champion. I want you to know that he will do exceeding and abundantly above all that you ask or think because he is God. He has God's power inside of you. And he's working. There's a champion in you. The champion didn't come with a sword. The champion did not have armor. The champion did not have an extra shield. The champion came with cheese. The champion came with crackers. He came to supply his brothers with food, but the champion had something that God was going to use. He had a slingshot. What I'm trying to tell you is that you've got to use what God has given you. You got God's word. You got God's word. Use what you have. And that's the word of the Lord. And don't be afraid of the giant. Because he will keep talking as long as he thinks you're afraid. Everybody was fearful, but David said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Who is this idiot that keeps cursing at my God? Sit down, sit down. Who is this nobody who talks so big and he looks strong, but he's weak to me? Because unlike Israel, 
Unlike Saul, God knew, David knew, God's favor is with me. God's grace is upon me. And God that delivered me from the bear, God that delivered me from the lion, this Philistine is nothing. I'm going to take him down. And I'm going to give God the praise. I'm not going to do it, but God is going to do it for me. The champion is here. The champion is here. God's grace to defeat giants is with you. The giant killer is here. And everybody's standing back, but David said, somebody's got to confront him. Somebody's got to go meet him. David said, here am I. Send me. Saul tried to give David his armor. Saul tried to give David his shield. David said, I can't use these. I have not tested them. They too big anyway. I don't need this. See, the devil tries to get us to use things that are not weapons from God. For listen, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not from the world, but they are mighty. They are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds because our weapons do what natural weapons can't do. You can't think this thing out. You can't worry this thing out. You can't fear this thing out. You've got to walk in the Spirit. You've got to trust God with all your heart. You've got to confront the enemy with the weapon that you have. I got my weapon. This is my weapon. I'm going to confront my enemy. I got my weapon. This is my slingshot. This is my rock. This is my rock. My sword. My shield. I'm confronting the enemy with the word of the living God. This is my weapon. This is my weapon. And David threw all of Saul's stuff to the side. And he went and he looked and he went to the middle of the valley. And he looked at Goliath. And Goliath said, (laughs) This what you send to me? This is what you're going to use against me? You got no weapon, you're going to use a word, but you don't understand, it's not my word. You don't understand, it's not my word. It's the word of the living God. And the word is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And it's about to cut down my enemy. It's about to cut down my giant. It's about to bring my giant down to me. See, we bringing giants down today. We calling giants, fear, come out. Worry, come out. Discouragement, come out. Depression, this is your last day here. Grief, no more. 
you're not welcome here anymore. Today you die for the giant killer inside me. The champion inside me is here to defeat my giant. And David, all he had was a sling. Now, those of you who didn't know it, the sling was a weapon that they used. But in the type of warfare that they were going into, they wanted to use a sword. Goliath wanted to use his sword. David said, no, I prefer the lesser weapon, the slingshot. And Goliath comes out and cursed David by his gods. And David said, you come to me with your sword and your shield. But I come to you in the name of the Lord God of Israel, whom ye have defied this day. And and he said, at this day, I shall take your head off. I'm going to take your head off. I'm going to end your thinking. I'm going to shut your mouth. I'm going to stop you from breathing. You will not come at me no more after today. Today is your last day. It's your last day. You will not talk to me anymore. That's what you got to tell your giant. I'm cutting your head off. You don't have a right to speak to me anymore. I take away your right that I that I gave you to speak. Today, you stop talking to me. And guess what? David. While Goliath is running. See, God is just winding us up right now. That's all he's doing. He's winding us. He's winding us up for victory. I'm wired up for victory. And I am about to release. I'm going to release what God has given me. And when he released, the stone found the one place where there was no armor and hit him in his head and stopped him in his tracks. And Goliath fell to David's size. And now David jumps on him, but he's got no sword. So symbolic of really getting rid of him, he takes Goliath's sword. And what he did? Cut his head. And then held his head up as they did in war to say, I've got my enemy. I've got my enemy. My enemy don't control me, but I now have got him. Today is the day you cut off the head of your enemy. He's not going to bother you anymore. He's not going to keep you down and bound and tied up and messed up. Those days are done. They're over in the name of Jesus by the champion who lives inside of me. I take authority over my enemy and I walk in victory. I walk in the joy of the Lord. I walk in the peace of God. I walk because God is love. I walk because God is spirit. And they that worship him must 
Worship him in spirit and in truth. And the only way to come out a winner in this battle is walking in the spirit while I must believe God. I'm getting over my past. I'm getting over my bad memories. I'm putting away what you've done to me and I'm walking on in victory. Because I got my enemy in my hand. Come on and stand with me. I got my enemy in my hand. Today is the day of victory. Today. Not tomorrow. Today. Today. Because David said, this day will the Lord give you into my hands. This day, Goliath didn't believe it, but David did. He released the rock. Hmm. He released the rock. The rock of his salvation. The rock upon which he now stands. We stand. That rock is Jesus. That rock that brought forth water. That rock that stood for Israel in the wilderness is also responsible for being a giant killer. And if you trust in the rock, he'll take your giant out. I don't know what your giant is, but I know one thing. If you believe the word of the Lord this day, right now you can take your sword, the word of God, and you can cut his head right off. Right now. Right now. Right now. Lift your hand if you got a giant in your life. Lift your hand right now. Lift your hand in the name of Jesus. Lift your hand if you know there's a giant. Prepare for battle. Prepare for confrontation. Today, we go in the field. We go in spiritual warfare. And we're coming against this giant. Hallelujah. Your giant might be your finances. I don't know what it is for you. It's different for everybody. But whatever your giant is, prepare to defeat it. Oh, for the battle is not yours the battle is not yours it's the Lord's the battle is the Lord's right now we're cutting the head off of our giant now as symbolically spoken we're going to do it we're cutting the head off of our giant. He will not live, speak, or breathe anymore in my life, in my ears, to my brain. The day of him talking to me is done right now. In the name of Jesus, we are killing giants right now. 
in the name of Jesus, we take authority over every Goliath. We take authority over every spirit that is not like God. And we pull down strongholds in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we're pulling down insecurity. We're pulling down low self-esteem. We're pulling down bad memories. We're pulling down the horrid past that we've been through right now. We're pulling down fornication. We're pulling down adultery. We're pulling down pornography. Everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, we're pulling it down. We're taking it down. In the name of Jesus, we're taking authority over it. We're walking in our godly rights right now. Spirit, we call you out. We call you out right now. We confront you in the name of Jesus. We confront you by the power of the living God. No more will you control my life. No more will you control my mind or heart. No more. No more. Your victories end today. For the favor of God is with me. For my God's favor, my God's grace defeats giants. It defeats giants right now. My God's grace. It defeats giants. Hallelujah. God's favor is with you. Take your giant down. Meet him in the battle. In the heat of the battle. Don't you run from him. You run to him. You confront him. You call him out. And let him know that this day. My God shall deliver you into my hands and I will take authority over you father we thank you Lord we bless you for your word we thank you God that you have stirred up our spirit you have stirred up our inner man God we're searching for our giants we are identifying our giants right now we are calling them out to confront us in the field of battle in this spiritual warfare and we take authority over every trick and every darkness of the enemy now God we take the blinders off our eyes we take the scales off our eyes in the name of Jesus and we walk in the spirit of truth in the spirit of grace that the word has made an opportunity for us to accept and we accept your grace God we thank you for your favor being upon us this favor that defeats giants and we pull down every stronghold we pull down everything that puffs itself up against the knowledge of God now, God, as we live, leave this place and not your presence, God, help us not to walk in fear, but to know that we are victorious in you and that everything you have done in us shall manifest itself in our physical world. Father, we thank you now. We give you the glory. We give you the honor. 
we thank you that we have the victory now. We have victory now. Those of you who are saved by the blood, say it with me now. I have victory now. In Jesus' name, by the grace of God, victory is mine. I pulled down strongholds in my life. In Jesus' name. Come on and give God a hand praise like you mean it. Come on and bless the Lord like you know it. Amen, amen, amen. 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 God bless you. We love you. Enjoy your week.